Call America is a history podcast about what makes America great. I'm Carl Joseph Black, a Brooklyn native born into the cult. And I'm Lisa Charlotte, an Australian migrant who totally bought into it from afar. Each episode, we unpack the American way of life from an outsider's perspective, from the Pledge of Allegiance to American exceptionalism and more. We'll dive into the history and share our personal experiences, along with discussion of some actual cults along the way. Listen to Cult America on a Three Springs Media Network, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to this week's episode of That Brooklyn Film Show. I'm Sabone Jolet Torre. And I'm Jabari Torre. And this week we'll be doing a deep dive into post-apocalyptic films. Okay, Bonji, what is your favorite post-apocalyptic movie? Ooh, probably Mad Max Fury Road is a really good one. Children of Men, which we're going to discuss, is a really good one. Oh, yeah, I would probably say one of those two. I kind of, Mad Max is a little more fantastical. Children of Men is a little bit more rooted in, I think, what would actually, the end of the world might actually look like. You know what I mean? So I would say that one would probably be my favorite. Post-apocalyptic films need to have certain categories because, you know, you have, like, early post-apocalypse, mm-hmm. long-term post-apocalypse. Mad Max will fall into, like, the long-term post-apocalypse. Mm-hmm. While Children of Men is more so, like, in the... It's kind of, like, apocalyptic because it's, like, in the middle of it happening because some movies, it's, like, you can remember before the apocalypse and then some movies, it's, like, long after the apocalypse. And I think I kind of prefer movies that tend to be... Long after. Well, it's hard because it's like there's so many apocalyptic movies and TV shows and stuff like that. It's the reason I wanted to do this theme, because for some reason, humans are just obsessed with the end of the world for some reason. Mm -hmm. And I think that we as a species, have like even going back to like the Bible, people used to talk about like how will the world end, what's going to be like after the flood and all this other stuff. Then you have TV shows like The Walking Dead. You have movies like World of the Worlds going back to the 19... 30s and stuff like that where we explore our end mm-hmm. and i think this theme has a very large part of society and how what we view as dangerous because you have movies that have the post-apocalyptic and zombies they have modern movies which have post-apocalyptics as like a virus and in each generation the post-apocalyptic the post-apocalypse is caused by a different thing thing so if you go back to like the 1930s, it was the invader, which was like the alien movies, which could be used as a symbolism for immigration or something like, I mean, that. like immigration or a communist and stuff like that, mm-hmm. where they would make them the villain was like someone coming in to destroy you and your way of life, which is like they're going to the farm to abduct people, which was like a some symbolism of America. Because a lot of things like farming and stuff back then. And then you have movies that we're going to discuss later today, like 28 Days Later, which is about the spreading of a virus and just going through different movies and stuff like that. I feel like post-apocalyptic movies are one of the very few movies similar to horror films where you could see what a a particular culture sphere was at that time. Yeah, I agree. That's kind of the first thing that came to my head was the horror film where you can see in different decades how different horror films rely on different things. So you have like a period where you have a lot of films based around like the devil and demonic possessions. And then you have a lot of like slasher films and that kind of all depends on what's going on in society. And it is like the same for the post-apocalyptic films 
where you maybe you have more like nuclear based apocalypse films when you have like the, the Cold War goes on yeah. versus now where it'd be like a virus or like in Children of Men, infertility or something like that, where that might be more of a fear than maybe like a nuclear war would have been during the Cold War time. And so it is very seasonal. I know that's not the right word, but, you know, based off of like an era or time period. You also have, if you want to go even deeper into like maybe even a specific kind where in 20 Days Later, it's a zombie movie, but the zombies are caused by a virus. But even the way the zombies move in this movie are, is like different than how zombies move in... Good. Like going... Um, or Night of Living Dead. Yeah. Day, yeah. Where they're like much slower. They you know, don't have a lot of speed to them, but it's... Those are zombies rising from the dead versus now it's... Calling my being infected and turning into the mm-hmm. dead. Yeah. So it's a lot different. Then you have different behaviors. They're more animalistic. They're faster. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think the uh, post-apocalyptic movies, which is why I actually your favorite because everyone's favorite post-apocalyptic movies can someone shoot, tell you something about that person. So my personal post-apocalyptic movie is Mad Max Fury Road, which... Is a lot more of like a cartoonish post-apocalyptic movie. And it's more like, it's a more embellished kind of movie where it's not as like grim or gloomy as some of the other movies that are going to review later today. But some of the themes in the movie, such as the lack of water, was a large part of the movie. And I think that that tells something about society and that's, you know, certain cultures and stuff like that, certain countries, water is not easy to get. So I do love movies that utilize the post-apocalyptic to target real issues going on in the world. You know, another one of, and this is kind of maybe iffy if it's considered post-apocalyptic, because it's very much a society still going on is V for Vendetta, where it's kind of like there's still a society, but you can tell that that's it's kind of fallen under a totalitarian regime because of a lot of similar things that are happening in these other movies are happening in that world where it's like, maybe they're running out of resources in other countries so now they fear immigrants or they fear this they fear that those are themes that you see in a lot of the other movies we've seen as well this one is still seems like a semi-functioning society you know what i mean well there's a connection between dystopian movies and post-apocalyptic yeah maybe that's more yeah the post-apocalypse is usually caused or led into by a dystopian society like unless it's just like a meteor that comes in and just crashes down you really see like a, like a slow descent. Yeah, it's a slow descent into madness. You really see a society that is like utopian. Then all of a sudden, they're living the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Uses like a dystopian government. Oftentimes, it's scientists run amok doing tests that are kind of unmoral. Or it's countries going to war. Then they just push the red nuclear button. And then that's And it. that causes the apocalypse. But, so then question for you. Would you consider children of men dystopian or apocalyptic? I would consider it... I think it's like full smack dab in the middle of it. It's like right before the apocalypse because literally no one could be born. So in that world, well, since we're starting to get into it, let's start talking about the movie. The first movie we're going to discuss is Children of Men. Children of Men came out in 2006 and it was directed by Alfonso Cuaron. The synopsis is, when infertility threatens mankind with extinction and the last child born has perished, a disillusioned bureaucrat played by Clive Owen becomes an unlikely champion in the fight for the survival of Earth's population. He must face down his own demons and protect the planet's last remaining hope from danger. Bonji, how did you feel about Children Men in general? I mean, generally, I really enjoyed Children of Men. I've enjoyed it. I think I first saw it. Maybe in 2006, but I was much younger then. So I think watching it again, I've kind of noticed like some of the deeper themes that I didn't notice the first time or the first couple of times around watching it. Like I remember 
in my AP English class in high school, you watched it. And my teacher was like, you see the symbolism here, here, here. I'm like, all right, you chat. And it's a good movie. It's doing a lot. But watching it back now, I'm kind of like, okay, I actually do see a lot of the symbolism. Actually was saying a little bit more than I did, you know, when I was, what, 15 or 16. So personally, I really enjoyed it. I think like it touches on a lot of things that a lot of the other movies touch on with like an extra hint of like, racism going on there because it's very much like our British society is the only society that survives. So we must now keep everyone else out. Although they're still having trouble with fertility and everything. It's kind of like a lot of, I feel like what post-apocalyptic movies do is that it tends to explore humans' worst instincts. Like I feel like post-apocalyptic movies tend to be pretty nihilistic. This movie obviously has hope because you do have the pregnant woman who is able to, you know, ultimately reach where she's supposed to reach and actually have this child that's kind of like the hope for the rest of the world. But in that, it's still viewing like how humanity would act in a situation where the youngest person in the world is 18 years old to the point that you're tracking down the months and days by how young they are. So it's like you're 18 years, three months and two days, as opposed to like the next person is 18 years, three months and three days. And now they're the next youngest person. Yeah. While watching this movie, I did question, like, is this movie post-apocalyptic? Because when you think post-apocalyptic, you think, like, ruins and there's very few people alive and the world is coming to an end. But I think that's what makes it post-apocalyptic is because the world was coming to an end. Because if no one else could be born, you're in the middle of a post-apocalypse. Yeah, when the last person dies. the last person dies, it's going to be no more. Mm -hmm. So I think that while there is still semblance of society... I don't think society deems a movie non-post-apocalyptic. And that being said, I did enjoy this movie a lot. Like, it was it's a really well-made movie. Like, from a directing standpoint, acting standpoint, cinematography standpoint, it's a really good film. And some of the themes in the movie, such as you said about the racism and then the issues with immigration. Xenophobia. And xenophobia. It touches on a lot. And these things are heightened only more during the post-apocalypse. So I think that's one thing I really do appreciate about the movies because you'll think times you hear it's very pessimistic in a sense. Um, we're going to get into the more optimistic stuff later. But it to me, it's pessimistic because it says that when humans are near their end, they only get worse and their bias is not better. Exactly. And I think that as everything was coming to an end, people were not being born, everybody was starting to lose hope. They just doubled down on their xenophobia, racism, and all this other stuff, as opposed to coming together to unite and try to get through this ordeal they just made the ordeal even worse. Yeah. And I think that as a film, it does a good job at discussing things that we have going on. And I would say this movie is fairly modern. It came out in 2006, but it still touches on issues that are modern to our generation. Mm -hmm. So it may not be like today in the um, 2020s, it may have came out in the early 2000s, but some of the issues that we're still suffering from, such as racism, xenophobia, and stuff like that, are still very relevant. So when I say that it's a modern film, I say that it brings up a lot of the um, issues that I think would really happen if the world was coming to an end. Like during COVID and all this other stuff, you see people's only double down on a lot of the issues that they have. Like they double down on their racism, they double down on their bigotry and stuff like that. And this was only a reminder of that. Like, okay, you would think that when things are like starting to break down, humans would try to come together to rebuild. But no, it's pessimistic in the sense that we're just going to fight even more, which is something that I kind of enjoyed about the movie for bringing up that topic, but it's very pessimistic, like you said. It's also showing how 
even the people who think that they're doing the right thing or they're the good guys in this situation have their own selfish motives at the end of the day because you have the fact that there's this girl who's pregnant and you think that he's there to, I mean, he is there to help her. He kind of has to be like coerced into it a little bit. Like he's not really doing it of his own free volition because he has lost hope, which makes sense. You, you know, he had a son that died. He's living in this world where infertility is rampant and there's no new people. So it makes sense that he's kind of a hopeless person. So eventually he does kind of begrudgingly give in and decide to help. And he's with this kind of outlaw group where they're working against the government. But then you see that these people have their own selfish motives as well. They know that this woman's pregnant and they know that there's a place that could potentially help her, but they don't really want to take her there. They want to take that baby and use it for their own selfish motives. And even to do that, they killed the person who was trying to protect her the most. So it's kind of like even the quote-unquote good guys or the quote-unquote people who are supposed to be on the right side in this kind of society are not necessarily on the right side. You know what I mean? So... Also, another thing that it made me think of is tied in with all of like the racism and the xenophobia and all that stuff is the fact that, again, the last pregnant lady is a black woman and she is an immigrant. So she's like, I can't come forward with the fact that I'm pregnant because they would take my baby and then parade it around as probably, you know, some proper maybe upper class black British woman's child or something because you can't pass off as a white baby. So it's like you're not going to allow her this woman who you don't deem as proper to be the mother of the last child that has been born. Because it puts too much, it iconizes someone that they want to, they already deem deem as worthless. Yeah. So it's like, okay, it's like this whole idea of going back to, you know, Africa being the cradle of civilization and all that other stuff. Mm -hmm. But you know how like in some cultures and stuff like that, they try to like downplay that Mm -hmm. by making like Adam and Eve white and all this other stuff. It goes back to that where it's like, we know that this woman is the first woman to become pregnant in a long, long time, but it's not good for the current people in power's um, narrative Mm -hmm. and image to have her come out and show that, which is why some of the people were like, oh, why don't you just come out and show it or bring hope back to people, blah, 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 blah. But they were like, no, because they're going to take the baby, they'll probably run tests on it, they'll probably do all this other stuff to it that is not going to be good for the baby and the woman in the long term. And she didn't want to be an icon. like She just wanted to have her baby Mm -hmm. and be able to live with her child. You have to think about it. She was relatively young, obviously. Or something again? Key. Key. Very on the nose. Yeah. Yeah, That was on Um, So you have to think what a pregnant woman looks like any of these things because no one has had a child. So she didn't even realize what was happening to her until it was a little bit too late. I mean, I'm sure she probably would have kept it either way. But, like, she didn't really know what was going on, though, because there's no one else who... Has a one and one and one example for her. Like she's yeah. only pregnant. Like never get into the story of how the maternity war kept getting emptier and emptier and emptier. Had miscarriage. That was a very like grim, apocalyptic kind of image. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, there'll be one less pregnant woman than two, and then three. The next thing you know, there's only one or two pregnant women in the ward, and then they started talking amongst each other. Because if you think about it, if there was ever a situation where people became like infertile to the point where no one could have a kid, it wouldn't be noticeable right away. It would be it would take time. The, over time, like, okay, this is kind of odd. Like, why is there no pregnant people in this hospital? And I think we would catch on pretty fast, but it wouldn't be like overnight. It would probably yeah. take like a week or two before people realize that. Not even a week or two, because pregnancy takes time. Yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah. Like, you know, nine months or something. Yeah, but by, by the time the wards are empty and all that stuff, you would be like, people would realize, like, okay. And I think she even mentioned that, like, the women who were coming in were having miscarriages. So it's kind of like, was yeah. something that was 
causing it that you could even carry. They never really get into her, yeah, or however, because it's not like they just stopped being pregnant. They were actively having miscarriages, so mm-hmm. they never really get into what caused it or talk about what the. And I don't think that really mattered, though. I think, yeah. and that, that's like a theme in a couple of the movies that we see is like the apocalypse. Does it matter how it happens? Or is it like the aftermath of the fact that it happened that yeah. causes these concerns? Yeah. I think some movies do give hints. And this movie doesn't really give much hints. But I think there's some sprinkled throughout the film that you could like kind of lead back to like, you know, it's not the, the zombie apocalypse. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a nuclear war. You know, there has to be something biological. So is it biological warfare? Is it chemical warfare? We don't know. But you that- can rule certain things out. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, not X, Y, and Z. Oh, actually, it was something that I, I made me think of when uh, we were talking about her identity and her being, you know, a young Black woman and how they would have created off as another person's baby. Is thinking about, like, in the civil rights movement, like, the whole Rosa Parks, how she was, like, on the back of the bus, but there was, like, another woman who did that first, but she was, like, a young pregnant teen. Uh-huh. So they didn't allow her to be the face of she wasn't, the movement. She wasn't appropriate for the for face at the time, quote-unquote appropriate. Yeah, so it was like, okay, let's bring in someone who seems more respectable. Or upper-class Black woman who was having a kid. That would be more respectable, but in their mind, it probably would have been perfect if it was, like, a white woman. That would have been the perfect upper class yeah. who was able to have a kid because that fits the narrative that they would like to continue on going into the future. Yeah, so it's kind of like, who is upper-class white woman would probably have been, like, the ideal for having it's even like i don't know if you ever read the book the handmaid's tale i know that there's a difference like in the book in the tv show is in the tv show it's kind of like because i think handmaid's tale is a post-apocalyptic world in a way it's more it's not um, dystopian because dystopian yeah but i guess all the rich women couldn't have babies so they okay. are there was a, another infertility thing so they rounded up all the women that could, could have babies and gave them to men who were rich or however it was like a privilege to be able to have the woman who could have, okay yeah in in the white woman that would be able to be like the handmaid so it couldn't be black, so black women couldn't have kids because kid, they didn't want black babies so i think it was they something deeper into their race yeah so i think it's something here it would be similar where it's like okay preferably you know white woman be having a baby if not her then we're going to have like an upper class person of color who is a british citizen we're not going to have this poor immigrant woman be like the face of rebirth of humanity essentially because that's what it is you're rebirthing you know humans there no one else could do that and then also just seeing the effect that a child had on the world because when they were in like that in it's kind of like an internment camp almost like a settlement for the immigrants which one was like plagued with violence because you have the immigrants obviously like fighting one another and then you have the cops or the police coming in there and killing people and, you know, doing these things for no good reason. There's no law in that like- it was no, It was lawless, yeah. And you see, as soon as the baby started crying, it became like a stalemate because no one had heard that annoying little infant cry for so long that it was kind of like this, this hope. And in the end, she ends up getting where she's supposed to be. So I feel like in the end, this movie actually ends up being like a hopeful movie more than like a fully nihilistic one because you see the fact that she actually gets to her destination. and. It's kind of like you see that she sees the boat that's supposed to be a part of this human project that's going to hopefully help rebuild the world. So it's kind of like, yeah, they're still in this society for right now, but there's like a little glimmer of hope left as opposed to some other movies where it kind of feels completely hopeless. Yeah, it's a very optimistic ending, Mm -hmm. I would say, in the sense that it's saying that humans will split apart 
during the conflict, but might come together if a resolution to that conflict is in the horizon. So one thing I'll say about it is that I was never really fully immersed in the world itself. Mm. I was very immersed in the characters and the story and the things going on, but the world wasn't as like engaging as some of the other movies we might talk about later because it was focused on this particular story. That's true. So I will say that. And that it's still a great film. Right. That's not like a demerit of the film at all. Mm-hmm. I think that it, that's because it focuses on what it was trying to do very well. But I would say that it's a movie that could branch off into other stories. Like if they wrote a book about another person who just happens to be living in this world, it would be very intriguing to see how other people deal with the trauma of not being able to have kids. Pretty ambiguous in this movie. I mean, you kind of see like hints of the fact that maybe this is the only society still surviving, but then that could also be propaganda that this is the only society still surviving. But it's definitely different because again, in this one, it has to be something like biological or something. So for a long time, you're still having a semblance of society versus say another one of the movies we're going to talk about where you don't see what happens, but you can kind of assume what caused this apocalypse. So it goes from zero to like a hundred really quickly versus mm-hmm. what seems like a slow escalation from like zero so maybe they're like now at 50 but maybe in another 50 years if be no one came back they'll be even worse than everything as opposed to a big nuclear war happening where just then everything's wiped out and society doesn't even have any semblance of existence anymore you know, I, no i fully agree with that but final thoughts on the movie as of right now i will say that i really enjoyed the movie i enjoyed it as an overall film it's a movie not to watch as a film because everything about the film so well done. Like I said, the cinematography, the acting, the directing, you really appreciate that about the movie. But it's kind of like there's this thing versus like soft versus hard world building. And this is kind of soft world building where you kind of get like enough information that you can understand this movie, but then you have enough information that someone else could take it and then go and branch off to another story in this world. It kind of reminds me of like, not the actual movie, but the world building like the purge, how they were able to take like the general concept in the first movie and then build it into like a whole bunch of different stories that take place yeah. in the same world because it's just a general concept that you have that could then fit a bunch of different other concepts as well. So it's just like the purge exists, but then we could take these other thematic ideas that we want to talk about again, like racism or politics or this or that. And you can all do that within that same world because you only have this concept of a lawless night. And I think that's because the concept of apocalypse is a particular point in time. It's an event. It's after, yes, an event or apocalypse is an event. Post-apocalypse is the after event. Mm -hmm. So that's how the world exists after the event. So you have other themes which might be like a style or a plot or something like that. This is built on setting. Same with dystopia. Dystopian is built on a world. Same with utopian is built on a world. So I think movies like the ones we're discussing today, such as Children of Men, The Road, and a few others are built on what happens to the world after human action intervenes. And I think those, anytime you build on world building, you have a really good base to branch off of different movies. Yeah. And you see that a lot with like very um, YA novels that are like about, very, they're very often about dystopian futures and stuff like that. The Hunger Games. Yeah, Hunger Games. And, and, yeah. Those. Mm-hmm. It's because it's easier to branch off of something when it's about the world versus it's about a character. So if it's like The Walking Dead. They have like 50 spinoffs Yeah, now. 50 spinoffs. Yeah. Mad Max. Yeah, Mad Max has like tons of spinoffs. Yeah. Video games, movies. I'm sure we'll get a TV show at some point. It's just really easy to branch off of stories that have built on or based, their base is about this setting. 
<laughs> and I always love um I always say world building is one of my favorite aspects of storytelling in general. Soft world building is kind of like you have a general world, but not like super tight intact rules in place versus a world where it's like, oh, you know, these are all the rules and these are the conventions it has to follow. So then you often get to the place where then you're like breaking the rules to kind of explain the world. So like I saw a video and was like Miyazaki is kind of soft world building versus like the Harry Potter world, which was more like hard world building. Yeah. I like soft world building as long as the characters are really well done. Mm-hmm. But I think hard world building gives you a little bit more freedom to mess up a little bit when it comes to plotting characters. Like a movie like Battle Angel Lolita, I would call that hard world building. The characters aren't really that great, but I thought and found it a great movie because the world around it was so compelling. But don't you think that world building, that it's like the opposite where it doesn't give you that much area to mess up, I guess, in terms of plot, because you already have these hard set rules in place. So then if you break a rule, then you have the fans being like, oh, well, you said in chapter six of book three, yeah. you know. But I think when I say break a rule, I mean more so ability to mess up. Blade Runner is a great example because you're in, mm-hmm. and you have great characters and great world. But um, like the Matrix, the Matrix doesn't really have the best world per se. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, it doesn't have the best characters per se. Like with the world, EO, mm-hmm. like, all the characters in the Matrix are fairly bland. But the world around the Matrix is what people love the most. Okay, like the rules of the the Matrix and the world outside the Matrix. They have pretty hard established rules mm-hmm. that engage people to this day. Or I think anime is very big on world building. Like let's talk about Avatar. Legend of Korra is not as good as The Last Airbender because the characters are not as good. But people still really enjoy Legend of Korra because the world that it exists in is still very engaging. Yeah. And shows like Naruto and all this stuff. Like, this is a whole nother tangent. Okay, yeah. <laughs> shows like Those shows like that that are based on like hard world building can engage people even though the characters may be bland. And I think that hard world building gives you a little bit more freedom when it comes to having like different characters or not writing your characters as well as they might be. But when you have software building, you have to focus on the characters really, really, really well, well. Mm-hmm. because you don't have that fallback of this is a, this is an interesting rule. And these yeah. like Mad Max, Mad Max from one to Fury Road, the characters were OK. But then when Fury Road came, people fell in love with Furiosa. Mm-hmm. And that's where it's like you had this. I'm calling it so from building personally. So that being said, let's get into Mad Max in the Dome, directed by George Miller in 1985. A synopsis. In this sequel to Mad Max 2, Max is exiled into the desert by ruthless ruler of Bartertown, Auntie Entity. And there are encounters in isolated cargo calls centered on Crash Boeing 747 and its deceased captain. So what was your thoughts on Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome? Personally, it was didn't enjoy it all that much. As also when when I watched it, and it's fully my fault. I thought it was called Mad Max Thunderdome, so I was kind of like, "There's not enough Thunderdome in the Thunderdome for me." You know what I mean? Like in the movie, because he was in a Thunderdome, I think for one fight, and then he was with these kids for the rest of the movie. Yeah, so I don't know. I like Tina Turner. I think it was cool to see her in the movie. It was kind of campy. I mean, but I feel like that's what. 1985. It's, you know, the punk rock-esque apocalyptic movie where a man has like a mannequin doll hanging from his neck or whatever. And, you know, again, Tina Turner's character has like a mohawk and it's very camp. So I wasn't mad at it. I just thought, maybe because I like Shiri Road so much, I thought I would like it as much as Shiri Road, but obviously it's not. All right. So about Mad Max Beyond the Thunderdome, I will say that what Mad Max 
has done for the post-apocalyptic genre and movies in general is that it kind of gave the post-apocalypse a culture. Mm-hmm. And I think that some of the other films we saw, the culture to the post-apocalypse was pretty bland. And I think that these movies kind of continued on with like, if you took away like technology and all this other stuff, how will humans develop? And I think that it's done a good job at that. So while it's not the, like, I'm going to agree with you. Like, I don't think it's the best made movie ever made. But given the time that it came out and the influence that it had on the genre of post-apocalypse going forward, particularly like in comics, video games, and other mediums outside of like just film, it's definitely very impactful. But the story itself, I do agree that it could use some work. Develop? Um, I kind of think it's like two ways. Like the society develops, but again, I think in all of these movies, you also kind of go backwards. So to me, the Thunderdome made me think of like the Coliseum. Yes. And how before you had like TV and radio and book, I mean, I guess they had books then, but before you had all these things that were easily accessible to like everyone, you watch people fight to the death. This was and that's the Thunderdome. That was their entertainment. You watch people fight to the death. What is- and you have these rules around fighting to yeah. the death. So if someone breaks the rules, like you saw, then they get something else and how easily influenced the society was. Again, you can see how people are easily influenced because Max is in the Thunderdome and his fight is with this person that he purposely picked a fight with because that's what Auntie Enzi asked of him. And he picks a fight with this man who has, he carries this like little person on his back, his livelihood in this society where he doesn't really have his own agency. Because he was, yeah, which gave power to people by using the gases of fecal matter to power certain things. So he was in charge of that and the person... I don't know if it was his brother or what, but since he was a little person, he w- wasn't able to fend for himself in a certain way in this world. So he was on the back of someone who could fend for him better. So you don't really know anything about them except for the fact that they're a masked person. So when he's fighting him, he had like this extraordinary strength and you're like, kind of like rooting for Max to win because he's your protagonist. And Max, obviously, he's losing at first and then he starts to win. And then he gets to the point where he knocks his helmet helmet off. And you see that this is a man with like a learning disability. And he's he decides like, I cannot kill this person because that is not fair. He doesn't really know. He's humane. He's Yeah, he's humane. So he decides to not kill him. And that kind of sets up everything. And the crowd is then chanting like, what? One man and no, two, one, two, 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 two men and two men leave. Two men and... And then Auntie Auntie is mad because she's like, you were supposed to kill him. And you didn't kill him. And they broke the ring. So you broke the so her. They're still chanting two men enter one man lease. And then they changed the chant. It was like one person started chanting it and then everyone else started chanting it. Yeah. So it's kind of just like how you, you can see how easily influenced. Just because they did that little wheel. This is like determined the people who broke the rings. Yeah. How but, they would be punished. And that's but, what they were chanting about. Yeah, but you can see how easily influenced the society was because it's just like you're starting off very very steadfast and your two men enter one men leave and then as soon as like one person says it and then another person says but it, that's no everybody i mean that's yeah it's no different than now yeah kind of like hive mind but it's just interesting to see it end up in like a coliseum-esque yeah. setting and where it's like they're all chanting but it's kind of like maybe being at like a basketball game or something yeah i was about to say that i don't think i would say that the culture branched off and went parallel to our current culture because they do the same things that we're doing. We're at a basketball game and we all boo somebody. Mm-hmm. Or like we have seen in recent events where you have fans like throwing stuff at players or saying certain things to players. It's similar to what was going on there. Like they were handing them weapons and stuff like that and being very demonstrative. But because they don't have access to the modern laws or technologies that we have, it just appeared to be more inhumane. One thing I do appreciate about these um, post-apocalypse movies, in particular Mad Max, if you remove laws from modern society, how quickly would people devolve back into being like 
how they are. Extremely demonstrative. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what Mad Max kind of showed. Because a lot of these people were born in the world before it was destroyed. Mad Max is a short-term post-apocalyptic film where it's like the, Mad Max was alive during the regular world. And a lot of the people who are around the same age as him yes, are, been alive. may have still been alive in the regular world. Like you might be fighting against someone that used to be a teacher or someone that used to be a firefighter. But Max is like the only person who seems in this world to have humanity a lot of the times. Yeah. Because everyone else just quickly gave up their humanity as soon as things started to break down. Yeah. Which is what we also saw similar to in Children of Men is that people started to war as soon as things started to break down. So when I was saying that, I appreciate the fact that Mad Max shows what culture, how quickly culture will change when the world breaks down. People started wearing, a lot of the outfits in Mad Max is very thrifty. Like you pick up what you find. The cars are like a combination of different things. You might just find scraps on the side of the road and stuff like that. Or the factories that people worked in were just like, Someone had a pig farm. They learned that you could make energy out of pig um, feces. So let's add our place here. Or let's add the thunder dome. Everything is very thrown together mm-hmm. in a way that things might be if you didn't have the access to the technology we have to build. Yeah. And that's one thing I really do appreciate about the Mad Max films is that even today in the Mad Max very role, which we didn't watch as a part of this series, but we both seen so we could talk about it a little bit. When you look at um, like the cars that were there, they were like thrown together, thrown together in different parts Our of cars. Part put on top of each other or when you look at the people's clothes it's like someone might be wearing like a victorian hat with goggles and then a biker jacket it's like what kind of what they, they created their own culture out of just combining things they could find out of the also it's like thrifting almost like finding different clothes off our bodies and stuff like that so that's one thing i do appreciate about the mad max series in general and this movie is that i could also get into it like as far as like religion goes yeah the kids who were worshiping this man because the kids were not born in the time where they, they were, understood they were born in the apocalypse during the apocalypse and they had this picture of a guy who was a pilot and they saw the plane and they knew that the plane based on the picture they saw the pilot could fly but instead of thinking of like oh the technology in the plane makes it fly and blah, 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 they thought it was like a miraculous thing because they never seen a plane in their life and i think that kind of shows like if you remove context from a lot of things how we could take up its own meaning over time and i think that george miller did a good job at showing that and how things took up meaning and just the whole culture around mad max kind of shows like how stories can spread easily because for the kids it was like again they probably saw this picture and then they put a whole story behind it it wasn't a true story they just but they created own. their own story and then they decided that okay we're going to worship this man because again you don't we don't have context so to us then this plane must be miraculous and this man must be godlike. If you think about it, if um, children make up stories all the time. Mm-hmm. And if they don't understand something, they're going to try to explain it with their own logic. And I guess when you remove the adults from the equation who could explain exactly how things work and as well as the surrounding world, every like if you've seen one plane in your life, you're going to be like, that's weird. But if you see planes all the time, oh, we are, it's less weird. Mm-hmm. So I think that when they just saw that one giant plane and they saw the pictures and stuff like that, to them it was miraculous. Even though to us watching it, we're like... Never seen a plane. Yeah, exactly. Then you're surprised when you see a plane. It's kind of when we get into the next movie. Or I don't know if we're going to discuss it next. But in another movie, it's kind of like you see a food thing that you've never seen before. So you're like, oh my God, what is Coca-Cola? Yeah, It's exactly. just like, 
to me, Coca-Cola is Coca-Cola, but if you never had it before, then this is something brand new to you. Yeah, because all you're drinking um, is water and eating um, rat stew, you're going to be really impressed by something, something that's a little bit like different. processed food. Yeah, so that's exactly how it was in Mad Max. And I think, again, although it was like, I think it's interesting that it was supposed to be nearby apocalypse because I think it's kind of... Very late apocalypse. It seemed, yeah, it seemed way more like a late apocalypse than like an apocalypse that just happened because it's, I, and I don't know if it's just a change in the time or if it's like specific to this the director but it seems like when people explore the closer apocalypse is kind of like just we're still looking at the destruction of humanity as opposed to the rise of a brand new culture yeah you know what i mean but i think mad max is more so about the rise of a culture than as opposed to destruction of humanity yeah and i also feel like just from what i glean from those movies it seems to me, like there, it doesn't seem like it was a slow apocalypse. It seemed like there was an event. There was an event. And yeah. I'm assuming probably like nuclear or something. Because when they go into the building and stuff in the past, it, they all look like they're burnt. Burnt or something. Yeah. So it was like there must have been like a quick flash. It's either, it was one of those like nuclear bombs, meteor kind of thing. Something was, wasn't quick. Yeah, it wasn't. And then again, you can tell that just because of the fact that you have Max who remembers yeah. what society was like. If it was a slow burn. He probably would have been a kid and he wouldn't have seen yeah, exactly. all these things going on. So it's kind of like when it happened. how you can even tell the difference between what kind of apocalypse happened based off of just context clues of the movie. Yeah. So like there's certain things we could rule out. We know it probably wasn't a biological thing mm-hmm. or a zombie apocalypse or anything like that. It probably had to be like a event, like a nuclear bomb, super volcano, something like that. That took out. That took out the and then, one swell fell. And also, I think what's always interesting is because I feel like people tend to be so into your own world. So apocalypse always happened in like New York or it happens yeah. here. So it's kind of like, you don't know. You wouldn't know if this was an event that happened all over the world or if this is an event that happened just, just you will- where you are. And I guess maybe you could assume that it probably didn't happen just where you are because you would hope that the people would come to help you, but you never know. So it could be just like, oh, okay, everyone else is living chill. And then yeah. it's just you who's cut off from the rest of society. Right now. Maybe one day they'll be back. But yeah. But yeah. Um, so um, Mad Max, I do agree with you that the story wasn't the most compelling. But what I enjoyed most about it was the world, again. Mm-hmm. The aspects of the world that I enjoyed, the cultures around it, the uh, styles and all this other stuff about it, I did enjoy. And I think the second half of the movie, you got glimpses of Mad Max Fury Road versus the first half of the movie, which was really slow. So I think that this movie works better when it's moving versus when it's introspective because I don't think Max is that... Max is like an avatar almost. Like, he's not that... He's like an everyman. He's an everyman. He's not that deep of a character. And that's when we were talking about hard world versus soft world building. I would say this is a mid-world building because it's just to the point where when it was becoming introspective, it was kind of boring because the world wasn't as developed. But then when it started moving... It didn't really matter if the character Max is that interesting, but because the world around him was moving, it then became interesting. But the world has to be moving in order for it to keep to engaged. Mm-hmm. Even in the um, Mad Max Fury Road, Max is still not the much. He barely talks. Like, he has around like 10 lines of dialogue. Yeah, Ferios is the interest. She's the mm-hmm. one that drives the plot. But even her, she's not the most introspective character, I would say myself. I like Ferriosa a lot, but there's still characters that are far more developed than she is. Yeah. And I think that if the world around her wasn't so engaging... People would not like her as much as they do. Maybe. Yeah, I agree. This is the next movie that you wanted to us. Directed in 2009 by director John Hillcoat. Synopsis. America is a grim gray shadow of itself after a catastrophe. A man played by Viggo Mortensen and his son 
Cody Smith McPhee wandered through this post-apocalyptic world trying to keep the dream of civilization alive. Okay, so what did you feel about the world? Was depressing. Like, <laughs> super depressing. It kind of, I feel like this, of all the movies, I feel like all the movies kind of show the bad of humanity. And this shows, like, the bad of humanity, but that doesn't feel like there's really any hope. Like, when we get to the ending, we can discuss it. But even at the end, I didn't feel hope seeing that family it just kind of felt like i don't know it felt like what was the purpose and like i want to put a, a trigger warning before this discussion because I, I we have to like discuss what happens to the my mom and everything so it's like a trigger warning for like suicide talk but i i feel like existing in this world seems like a chore and <laughs> the first thing you did was come to my room and say yeah i wouldn't want to live in this world I, and i'm like yeah i wouldn't either it's one of those words where it's like, as soon as you see the apocalypse starting to happen, you just lay on the ground and say, take me with you. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not trying to just survive in this world. And I just yeah. feel like it's a chore. I don't know. I mean, all of the movies, maybe because the other movies are a little bit more, not upbeat, but like Mad Max has like a little bit more pizzazz or whatever. Children may have like a little bit more action going on. This is kind of just like truly down to like the bones of how do you survive? And it comes to the question of is surviving alone just enough? Because it's like you're not living you're surviving. And as you're surviving in this society, you become a worse person. And like the part where the mom was talking and she was like, what's what's going to happen? They're going to find me. They're going to rape me and your son and they're going to eat us. And like, if you had to think about the fact that like, that's what you think your life is going to be, is constantly running from the rape, away from the idea of rape and cannibalism. Like, I don't want to live in that world. Why do you want to live like, and then other, or you're starving because you can't find food and you're constantly at the threat of violence. So it's kind of, I think it's, it gets down to the question of like, what makes life force living in a way? And mm-hmm. like, is life force living just because you have life? Or is it's it- Just at that point is to survive. Yeah. And that's not compelling when you lived in a world that wasn't only about the biological Com- yearn to survive. survive. And I told you, when I first started this movie, I was like, you know, let's watch this movie last because it's very depressing. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't lying about it being very depressing. It's those, like you said, soul world building, which makes it less compelling than a movie like Mad Max. And also, I don't think it's the most successful in its character introspection. No. Because it feels like it's just everything gets more so time. And I've, it's based off a book by Cormac McCarthy. So maybe if you read the book, you feel... Yeah, everyone says the book is better. Yeah, you probably feel the relationship between the father and the son a little bit more, especially because I'm assuming it's from either the father or the son's perspective. And then again, in this movie, no one has any name. So there's like, it's the man and his wife yeah. um, and a boy. So they don't really have any names, which I guess doesn't really matter. But it's the fact that like, for me personally, I didn't really feel the strong bond between the son and the father to the yeah. point where it's like, I can see why he is... I feel like you're surviving every day for your child because that's kind of like what's expected of that's you. That's what a father that's does. What his, father his child life. But it doesn't feel like there's like this like strong like I need to like I love my son so much I must protect him. Is he ready to boom his son at every turn? <laughs> Someone comes down, makes too lot of a noise, put the gun to your head, son. Yeah. Sheesh. And then you think about it. Like I, I have like a quote from the movie that made me think about like how how sad this world is and it's when remember they met the old man and again as at this the point the blind old man uh-huh, yeah. the father already became crueler but you can understand why because 
the man ask about his son. And I think he automatically thinks that he wants to hurt my son. He wants to harm my son. He's like, how old is your little boy? And the man is just thinking about the fact that he has a son. Mm-hmm. If we're to believe that this man is telling the truth, he's just thinking about the fact that he wants to put a time had a son. But in the father's eyes, it's like, no, he wants to Everybody do something to my kid. Everyone's a threat, which makes sense in this world, you know? Like if you approach a tiger and it's guarding its cub, it's going to want to attack automatically. automatically. And in this world, because everyone is deemed as a threat, and humans kind of go back to like almost an animalistic sense of survival. Everyone that approached him and has done were a threat. Yeah. There should be understanding is like everyone seemingly was a threat, but in their world, I think the the part that's very depressing about it to me is that there was like no one that kind of came up out of this world somewhat optimistic. Mm-hmm. Like one of my problems with this movie is that I think that humans have a good habit of coming together, even if it's just like people who are similar to them. People come together to try to build some sort of society. And I think it's this movie, everyone was just so scattered. Because you're starving. I wonder if like those certain things make a difference. But again, for like the quote that I wrote down, it was the old man, the man asked to the old man, he said, do you ever wish you would die? And the old man said something, I think it's not an exact quote, but I think it's pretty close to which is, no, I can't wish for luxuries in a time like this. So the fact that even considering death was the luxury, was the luxury, it's like... What is your life? Or the, when they found like all of that food, it was kind of like a beacon of hope for them for even like a moment, but then it's just snatched away. So it's kind of like you had the son was like, Oh, you always think something bad is going to happen when he's like, they heard like a dog or something up there. Mm-hmm. The son's like, Oh, it's a dog. He's like, Oh, well, who does the dog belong to? And the son's like, Oh, that's, how about we jack? And falls like, No, we got to leave. It's like, Sheesh. Like there's and, no moment of solace being. And I also feel like that shows like how children are more hopeful, children are like less harmed by you know, these ideas than adults are. And this boy is also a boy born in that world. In that world. He never knew the previous world. And this is another movie where you don't know what happens, but you kind of see when they look outside and it's just kind of like bright lights or fire or something. So you know that something has happened to kill off And there was a part with everything. Ash. So I think when, um, because of that, I don't know if you remember that part. They were like walking through ash. Mm-hmm. You know that it was um, nuclear or something. It had to be something like that. Nuclear, like again, maybe a volcano just blocked out the sun and left ash on the ground. This one, this one is as vague as and the it, cone. Mm-hmm. So it could be anything with this one. But you know it had to be something pretty destructive. Destructive and very, very quick because it seemed like it went from, again, A to Z very quickly. I mean, I guess it had a few years because you can kind of tell how long the apocalypse has been going on again yeah. based off how old the son was. But it got to a point where, again, his wife was like, I literally cannot live like this. And she didn't like, I, I don't know. I feel like, can you pass away to commit suicide? I feel like that's kind of what she did where she just took off everything and went into the, that's like the worst in, in the go. winter. Yeah, you're going to die slow. Yeah. So she kind of passively was like, I'm done with this. I was uh-huh. like actively shooting herself. But you even see her earlier in the movie, they find like two hanging bodies and the son's like, why they do this? He was like, you know why? Or when they go into that, that attic and they just see all those people starving. That's just like, that's such a horrible way to have to go. You're just lying on the floor. And just left them right old. Just left to, to rot. Like what is, it's just terrible. I think this song, movie that are like more optimistic views of the, I mean, they're all pretty pessimistic. Any post-apocalypse, post-apocalypse, I feel like it's, it's pretty pessimistic. This is like the far You know what, apocalypse movies are pessimistic, but there's usually like some kind of, I feel like the world is pessimistic, but then there is like a storyline or a through line of something that's hopeful. Yeah. You know what I mean? So in Mad Max, maybe it was those kids. Mm-hmm. In Children of Men, it's the fact that 
she can is having a baby or has a baby. In this movie, there felt like there was no, no hope, hope at, at all. Because even in the end, spoiler warnings, I mean, movie's pretty old, yeah. still out of respect. He finds this question if they were even real. Mm-hmm. And that would have been the one ray of hope is like, oh, there's actually some good people in this world. But then the questions come up is, are they real or are they going to eat them? Because there's usually like a little bit more hope. Usually if he finds a family, the first yeah. one be like, oh, thank God he won't be alone after his father just died. Yeah. And this one is just like, do they even exist? It's like, no way they real. That doesn't really happen. And it's too easy. Yeah. I was like, no way that this movie is hopeful that they're all right. Like, and you got to add sprinkles of hope throughout a movie for you to actually buy into the hope. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of great Game of Thrones in the last season, how they made Daenerys yeah. a bad guy. And then they went back and showed her previous moment where we were building up to her being a bad guy. But it's kind of like, it was too- you can't say that because in the moments in the past, you presented that as a, her being heroic. Yeah. So I think this is the same thing where it's like, you can't then ask me to flip a switch and think that this is kind but of like not just showing how cruel the father became is when he made that man stripped down for stealing your stuff. And it's kind of like, what yes. What did too. Yeah, it's like, yes, he stole your stuff, but he clearly had enough humanity left in him to not harm the kid. Mm-hmm. And he's in the same predicament where he's starving, you're starving, like everyone's starving. So he kind of didn't get down to his, like, I guess, the worst parts of himself yet. He was like, yes, I'm going to steal your stuff, but I'm not at the point where I'm going to kill this him, him taking the food was as good as him even dead. On the child. Because if they can't eat, they're going to die. Then make the man strip and leave him with nothing. It's kind yeah. of like, you took it a step too far, but you're still calling yourself the good guy. But I also feel like in this world, can you truly be a good guy? It's anyone you know, that It's, it's like, you guy. did me wrong and I'm going to do you worse, basically. Yeah, it's kind of like, in, in this world, everyone's just trying to survive. And there's clearly like, evil people who are like hunting people down for fun like you saw mm-hmm. with the but like if you're like the rapists and people who are eating people are eating people I mean we, it's not justifiable but you but understand it in that a little bit starving but like the raping all that stuff that's where it's like that's taking it unjustifiable unjustifiable a step too far so that's kind of where the, those people are like okay maybe you want to call those the evil people versus him where it's kind of like they're just people who are surviving so how can you survive with being the same like the person who shot him in the leg and he killed that guy they thought he was following them so that's why he did that but or that's why they did that he did that to defend himself so it's kind of like they both committed a wrong having crossed wires and just trying to actually survive as a film like i said i think it's an important apocalyptic film to watch because it's the most extreme version of what the apocalypse can be and I think that's actually important to see in my mindset. I think it falls more in the middle. I think most things fall in the middle of like the both extremes. Mm-hmm. So I think that um, things, I mean, of course, the post-apocalypse never happened. But I always said that the post-apocalypse should probably be similar to how we existed back in like 1700 because you removed technology from the world. We're going to go back to farming, hunting, farming. But I think it will fall in the middle. But this movie is like the most grim aspects of what could happen in the post-apocalypse. And I think that is what makes it an important post-apocalyptic film to see. Well, so, yeah, any final thoughts? Yeah, again, I just kind of agree with all your thoughts where it's just kind of like, this is the most grim thought of what the post-apocalyptic world would be. And if would one say that this is what the world would be, that's kind of hard to say. I think that, you know, we humans have optimism, but when you don't have the luxuries that you're used to, 
who do you become? And I think that's what this movie is. There's one thing if like you were born into that world, like the kids would probably develop a more productive world without technology and stuff like that. But if you're born with the stuff that we have and then it's taken from you, things are going to be pretty grim for a pretty... To me, the biggest thing that makes that film different than other films, I mean, all these films kind of, but this for the for sure this one is the starvation aspect. I think yeah. when you're starving, that's when you become very desperate. Very, very, yeah. very desperate, like to do whatever to not be starving anymore, to not be, you know, thirsty anymore. So I think that's where this world is different than a lot of the other post-apocalyptic worlds. Because now, like, and again, in Children of Men, there's still like some semblance of a society. So, you know, they still have food, even if it's not the best food, maybe it's rationed or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's still a readily a supply of food. Or I don't know about Mad Max, but in this world, it's like you're truly, there's no food, there's no water. Plants are dead. Crop. They did mention that plants and crops couldn't be planted anymore because I remember the wife said something about all the trees will be gone, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's, we know that the apocalypse also affected the bio, the bio life there, so. It's like that was a very, dying. yeah, that was a very grand where it's like, mm-hmm. yeah. everything is going. So you have the earth is dying, humans are dying, everything is dying, so their hope was getting to the ocean and the ocean is still gray. Yeah. So it's kind of like, what hope do you really have? Someone thought it was going to be blue. I'm, just, uh-huh. I'm sorry, the ocean's gray too. Like, yeah. oh my God. Like, is there any fish that exists anymore? Yeah. Is there like, trees are falling, literally trees are falling. No, no, there's not giants anymore in their world. Yeah. And again, I'm assuming, that's what makes me kind of think maybe it was nuclear, but I don't know how long that would last in terms of like, yeah, blocking the sunlight and all that. That's why I also said um, maybe like a volcano or something erupting. Yeah, ash. ash block out the sky for a long time. Uh, I'm bad at getting ages, but oh, I mean long time, probably like generations. That's true. Because I remember like on sites, well, yeah, they block out the sky for like years. Okay, so it could be something like that. But that being said, let's get into our next film, which is pretty depressing too. But that's the theme of the show. Days later, directed by Danny Boyle in 2003. A group of misguided animal rights activists free a caged chimp infected with the rage virus from a medical research lab. When London bike courier Jim wakes up from a coma a month after, he finds the city all but deserted. On the run from the zombie-like victims of the rage, Jim stumbles upon a group of survivors, including Selena, a cab driver, Frank, and joins them on a perilous journey to what he hopes will be safety. So... I'm beyond honest, I didn't finish 28 Days Later yet, but from what I've seen of it, it's a really good film. It's very 2000, what was it? Three. 2000, very 2003. I think it was the start of like the whole zombies going from like undead, slow walkies to more like the speedy, fast World War Z, Dawn of the Dead kind of zombies. Mm-hmm. So you know more about this film than um, I do, so I'll bounce off your ideas as you talk about it. Mentioned them happened in the first place. The people who were freeing the chimps, when the man said they have something wrong with them, do not free it. You know what they should have done? They should have listened. Like, I get that you're climate warriors or whatever, but it's always the fault of someone who wants to not listen like someone else. And then everyone in the world has to pay for the price for it. Like, that may be bad. Whatever. And then the scientists shouldn't have been experimenting on the chip in the first place. Pretty much. But, like, when if you can see that the chimp is acting funny, do not try and free it. Just leave it. For now, and then expose them like in another way. Just expose the dogs on the chimps. This man said, "If it gets in a cut, if it gets, if the blood gets in anywhere, if it scratches you, if it bites you, that's it." What they do? 
still open the cage, maybe mad. Okay, they get, they get bit. The world turns into a zombie-filled world, but the main character wakes up. It's the same exact beginning as The Walking Dead. Yeah, oh, pretty much. Yeah, woke up in the hospital. And it's been 28 days since the start of this infection, this virus called rage, which is a very general term for it. But you see him and he's like walking, wandering around. You can kind of see that, you know, there's no one outside. The world is kind of quiet. Everything's pretty dead, no pun intended. And he goes into a, what is that, a church? Yeah. And he starts talking. And I think that's kind of what alerts the first zombie. First zombie says presence. And he sees a priest zombie. He's like, Father, what you doing, bro? And then he realizes, like, oh, wait, this is not right. And then he gets saved by Selena and her companion. I don't remember his name right now, but he gets saved by them. And they then go into hiding for a while. And then the next thing they do is they go to. Or they kind of explain to him the situation, what's happening, how it's been 28 days. And, you know, he didn't realize he was in a coma because I'm assuming he was like in a bike accident or something like that because he was bike courier. So after the accident, he wakes up and then they're talking to him. They tell him what's happening situation. And he's like, no, no, I have to go find my parents. And he says that his parents are dead. And then the blood spills into a zombie breaks into the house because he's like using light. And obviously the zombies see light. So he alerts them. And uh, the blood gets onto the other guy. And you can see that the girl, Selena, she's not playing because she kills the other guy straight up. She's like, you have 10 seconds between humans and zombies. This very fast acting virus. So she killed. And then they go to a building and they meet up with the father and the daughter. And they kind of go on a road trip together to find this army beast where it's supposed to be hope of them helping them out. And at this army base, they don't get a response at first and then the father gets his eye bled into and then he turns into a zombie about to and then they shoot him and i'm when we get a little bit further in i'm gonna i think that was deliberate and a purposeful thing not them shooting him but them waiting for him to turn into a zombie or something before letting them in and then they get into the army base and you know everything seems cool they're giving them food and all that stuff at first but then you find out that there's like a more insidious reason as to why they let them in and pretty much they're like we wanted the woman I told my men that I would find the woman, which is why they even broadcast that message. So they were like, we want the woman. And if the bike passenger agreed with them, then it would be all cool. He would have them too. But if not, they would take him out to the back and kill him. So that's what they tried to do to him and another soldier, only for him to escape. And then when he came back in, he set this other zombie that they had chained up um, free. I was like one of their fellow soldiers. He let them free into the mansion he was able to save them and then they hope came in the form of a plane so again that was a quick run through for you since you didn't get yeah. shit. but uh, i think that this movie although it had zombies in it i feel like the ending message really ended up being about how humanity can again devolve so quickly like it's been 28 days like month. bro I, I feel like also you had to have that in you already like you couldn't have been again non-rapey from jump if you are going to do that in 20 days you know what i mean like you yeah. know 20 days is not a lot that's again that's someone's month. Person. yeah like, not even a full one for normal ones i think um, it's the fine line between humanity and just free savage yeah and how like if you just change a little bit like it doesn't take much like you have the laws that we have in place and as soon as you remove those laws people just dive balls right back into savagery mm-hmm. i think that's a pretty pessimistic way of viewing people 
think that it was supposed to be like a kind of a combination view of people because not everyone like not obviously everyone, like yeah. the core group of four they didn't go directly into savagery like of course at first it's a little apprehension about helping one another but then when you realize you need someone else you kind of work together yeah. i think that's where you go you're talking about how you can form like little societies just little yeah. tight groups and that's exactly what the because yeah, when selena first met jim she was like if if anything happens i'm not waiting a heartbeat to save anything like that and then something happens and she waits a heartbeat and she's like oh you waited for me you know uh-huh. so it kind of shows like yeah you can say you're going to do something and you can say you're not going to get attached and you can say all these things but in reality you can end up forming like little groups and stuff but then at the same time you have the opposite end of the spectrum which is like those soldiers who probably again i think already had that in them i don't think in 28 days you can go from being like a good upstanding citizen to what they were i mean maybe they were upstanding citizens by the law standards but like in tragedy in your nature you were probably already a little bit of a creep beforehand or you probably like the captain i think he's you killing the zombies that's killing people and i'm like I think there's a difference. So you're saying like people are killing people. So therefore you're justifying what you're doing to the women by doing this. Like, oh, well, I need to keep my soldiers happy. And it's like, that's not, that's not how it works. And it had like, it's sprinkles of hope and stuff like that inside of it. Because you said that he had his tight knit group and they were more optimistic side than the people who were like the soldiers who were already divulged straight to savagery. But the role that the zombies play, do you feel them as like a, reflection of society's fears at the time where they just kind of just a neutral antagonist in the movie because a reminder this movie came out in 2003 that was on post 9-11 era that's true in terms of like how they even came to be which is like testing and a virus and all that stuff so maybe you're like scared of like biological warfare or like things happening by mistake because it was like a small thing to me, in the end, I ended up getting more from it, the horror of the people than I did the horror of the zombies. Like, the zombies weren't an afterthought. Like, clearly, you don't want to turn into a zombie. And clearly, I think the fact that it's even called rage says something. Like, rage is anger. And the fact that you can go from a normal person to, like, that angry, mindless creature in, like, 10 seconds says something. Because normally in zombie movies, it takes, like, a little bit of time for you to turn into a zombie but this is like a fast acting thing so i think that again i think the fact that it's even called rage and they have red eyes and they're fast and i think that does say something about what society is supposed to have like become with that and then there was a point where i think it was the other guy again i don't remember his name he was talking about what happened to his family and how they went to an airport and they bought money and at this point money doesn't matter like what are you going to do with money in a zombie apocalypse? They want but money to try and buy their way onto Jim a plane. Jim McGinnon was collecting money off the floor, thinking like, yeah. that's what you got to do because he didn't know what was going on. So he yeah. just had a bunch of money on the floor. They were crowded in an airport and he saw, I think he said his dad get trampled because they were all rushing. And it also in that crowd, there was one infected person and that one infected person turned into the whole crowd being infected. And the only reason he was able to survive is because he was able to get to like a high ground or whatever. But it kind of shows like, Again, how quickly they went to like let's bum rush an airport or let's. I mean, you, I think you could see that 
and how that only sparks the infection. Yeah, and you could see that happening now where if a major event happened, people would be running to an airport. People would be running to, like, get away from something. I mean, which makes sense. That's, like, what you do. But, like, the trampling and stuff, that kind of goes kind of goes to show, like, you're not thinking of other people. You're only kind of thinking of so, your own instinct to survive and your family and, you know, who cares about everyone else in a way. These movies is that the idea of individuality is always a um, Harper's the ability to see so the collection. see the solution mm-hmm. because if those people kind of like work together to stop that one person who was affected, they could have stopped the whole group from becoming infected. But because they rush and try to like get themselves out, everyone then got affected. Yeah, and I think about the road. It's like if instead of like him and that black guy was like, "Oh, get your clothes off." If they like came together, like, hey, sorry, that I mean to take care of tap this can. Do you want to walk with us? They can form a big group over time. That would have led to them being a more successful organization and trying to like survive that way. But since everyone is always like, I'm looking out for minds and minds only, that creates a sense of a lack of unity that then creates more division, that then creates infighting. Then you have infighting during an apocalypse, mm-hmm. which then only leads speeds up the apocalyptic process. Base too, where you had infighting because there was one in the military men who was like, I'm against what you're trying to do to this woman or to these to these women or this woman and this girl because one of the was like a teenager and they were like okay instead of kind of listening to the guy who you know is clearly more logical or moral they made him the enemy and decided to kill him versus the other one but then you see when he's out in the forest there was like a moment of hesitation for one of the other people that were trying to kill him which allows the main character to escape and then also thinking about it like the loneliness aspect of it too i think that's an interesting part when you think about the fact that he woke up alone in a hospital and society was gone you know what i mean like imagine how that feels where you're waking up and you have no idea what's going on you go outside you see no one you see nothing and that goes like later on into the movie when he's sleeping after he took some pills that the selena gave him and he wakes up he's having an, or he doesn't wake up but he thinks he wakes up he's having a nightmare that they abandoned him because that's probably what waking up in an apocalyptic world you. by yourself feels like you feel like you're abandoned by everyone and obviously him and um Selena end up becoming closer but it's kind of like that concept of abandonment and then also for her you don't really know much about her character but you know that she like is a chemist or something because she has all these pills and she knows what doses to get people on all those things versus but she also has gotten to the point where she's like very ruthless she's very i'm going to do what i, ha- I have to survive, survive. yeah and so to me that's kind of the most interesting part of the movie like i think the movie's really good but thinking about the fact that it has only been 28 days and this is what society has come. obviously wanted us to think about the fact that it's only been 28 days because the movie is named 28 days later yeah so it's like look how quickly things could divulge but i don't want to say forced because i think to some extent they could have like not gone this far yeah i understand like things don't going like devolving like somewhat but this fast that far like that's insane yeah and again i think this is kind of selfishness and individualism and how how quick it would take you to get to like i think apocalyptic movies are supposed to kind of be like this is a revelation of who you really are when you do not have the luxuries of society to mask a lot of those motives so again in the road people became you know 
they, they formed gangs and they became murderers and rapists and all this stuff. In this movie, again, you have the army men who are like rapists. And then in Children of Men, you have those people who think they're doing the right thing, but they're really trying to steal like someone's baby. So they end up becoming murderers in order to further their cause. And it's kind of like, okay, you probably told yourself before this happened that you were a good guy again, like they mentioned in uh the road are we the good guys are we the good guys so i feel like everyone probably told themselves they're the good guys good guy. and then once they got to a point where they did not have the luxuries of things coming easily to them they were no longer themes that you see as a through line for the um apocalypse genre and i am like i said i think one of them is the idea of like the lack of unity causes the apocalypse only speed up mm -hmm. and that some of the things that we should be appreciative in our modern day society like things aren't perfect of course obviously but there are some things that have humans keep their humanity in a way that if we remove these laws and stuff like that would not be there but then the less optimistic themes of these movies are that are these signs of humanity only a mask that people have on like if you remove the laws and all this stuff do people just go back to what they were or well, who they really are because i'm gonna say what they were i would say who you really are because if you don't have these things holding you back that kind of shows more who you are than if you... Not to be too on the nose, but like COVID and everything. Yeah. And how in some countries you had it where they worked as a collective and they were able to pretty much like get rid of, but you know, like have much lower cases of COVID very quickly versus other societies where it's so individualistic that you weren't able to contain it as easily because people do not want to do things that put them out of their comfort zone and make it easier for everyone else and not just themselves. And I think that's kind of a big theme in a post-apocalyptic movie. What would you do to make things that might be a little bit harder for you, but better for the larger society versus the thinking of only yourself? And I think you can see that easily with this like past year, year and a half where people are still thinking only of themselves. So sometimes I think like, man, if we were in a post-apocalyptic society, I don't know what happened. Like, I don't really have The world went from A to Z or um, 28 data went from A to Z. Mm -hmm. COVID was like A to B and we see how crazy people are acting now. Yeah. It's like we didn't even hit the like, the J tiers or the M tiers, like yeah. the B. And people started like, becoming real selfish and yeah, people told me oh, they wouldn't do this. And stuff. from like, yeah, it's not the very most, it's not, it didn't give me the most optimistic view of how people would be if like something wild really happened. Like the COVID strain that causes people to turn into zombies. Between children and men and the whole anti-immigration, whole like xenophobia thing. I'm like, look at all the hate crimes. Yeah, that's the apocalypse. I mean, I mean, an apocalypse. So it's kind of like, I can see how these societies are. And I think that's that's particularly why I like, I like children and men. I think more so is because to me, it seems like a, a more of a reflection on what our society could become. And I think that's also because it's like a slower turn into yeah. like a post-apocalyptic world. Like, I don't know if, again, the other movies are kind of like, what if the apocalypse haps, happens in the bang as opposed to like, or in a flash as opposed to what if it slowly trickles into yeah. our world and then one day we are here and the next day we're there. Yeah. And I think that's what you see in Children of Men. And I think that's why it's kind of like, oh, I could see this really happening. I can see the media being, oh, all the other countries are terrible and we're the best. Or I could see, oh, we can't keep these people here. Let's close our borders and let's get rid of them and let's round them up. Like I can see, yeah, I can see all that happening too. Really happening. And I can see again, a woman that doesn't seem 
perfect having the child in them being like, we must either take it away and give it a pretend mother or hide the fact that it even happened until we figure out how to put this the right into time. the right person. So that's why, to me, that's what makes like it the most realistic. Because I feel like, I mean, the other ones, maybe the roads is the second most, but like zombies kind of just always seems a little bit more far-fetched. far-fetched. But I think the purpose of zombies and the purpose of like big nuclear apocalypses is to strip away all of those things and then to dive deeper into what humanity is. And again, what it would be if you do not have certain luxuries or you don't have laws in place, you don't have rules in place. Who are people actually then? Yeah. So in conclusion, I would want to ask what can the post-apocalyptic genre do to stay fresh? Because off the top of my head, I can name I Am Legend, Mad Max, Night of the Living Dead, Last of Us, Fallout. We just watched The Road. We could talk about Resident Evil. There's a lot of movies that are about post-apocalypse. And this is going to be a genre that continues on as far as we will know. So what do you think, like, based on what we watched, could be done to keep the genre fresh and not feel stale over time. I would say two things. One, leave the desert, man. Oh yeah, like every post apocalyptic yeah. world is in the desert or in a city and very gray. I think, like again, I think it would be slow. So maybe you could have some color. Like the world doesn't just you know lose its color palette. And then two, like for now, I would say just stay away from like virus films. I think it's like people would just kind of be fatigued from that. I think you have to find more interesting ways to explore the apocalypse maybe go very very far in the future to see what society would be like you know 300 400 500 years from now i guess that's not very far that's far if the world as we know it something happened an event happened and then how society rebuilt or something i think that would be an interesting way to explore and again hopefully not in the desert or even saying like apocalypse day one like do you realize that the apocalypse is happening as it's happening and kind of going from there, maybe like building from like day one to like year one and then maybe year one to, you know, however, slowly building it out, but not just again, like I think no viruses, no deserts and either very, very close or very far. Where you see society start to come back together mm-hmm. as opposed to just in the midst of all the deep like damnation and all of the trouble that's going on. So we maybe we're like, the person in the apocalypse is able to go from town to town and then you see these people have like their own forms and stuff like that and they're trying their best to get society back together as a whole as opposed to like you said just movies about like definitely no more virus movies the thing virus movies are a little bit played out right now zombies are definitely played out right now no more zombie movies and no more nuclear apocalyptic movies because there's still a reality of our world, but I feel like it's very 1980s, Cold War, fear-esque. Mm-hmm. So I think the source of the apocalypse has to be someone new. Natural disaster movies, I feel like they're good, but we always get the natural disaster. We don't get the post of the natural disaster. Mm-hmm. So like we have movies like Day After Tomorrow 2021. What would happen if those disasters actually were successful and then people had to rebuild up from those worlds? Mm-hmm. I'd like to see more movies like that. There's a video game called Horizon Zero Dawn, which is like 300 years or 1,000 years after the apocalypse. And then, like, they'll go into the city, but it's, like, filled with trees and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So they'll be like, oh, look at this thing. We call this da-da-da-da. But we know it as a building, but the people in the world don't know what it is because it's been 1,000 years since the apocalypse happened. So I would like to see more, like, reclaimed by nature apocalypse movie where people are kind of, like, 
falling on the apocalypse of world two years after it happened. Mm-hmm. They may not fully understand the context of what happened. Yeah. And we don't get a lot of those. Actually, you ever seen the TV show, The Enemy, Dr. Stone? Mm-mm. There's another show where thousands of years after the apocalypse, people reemerge and they have to make sense of things that exist in the world. Like they might find a gun or a car. Mm-hmm. And in their mind, they're just like back to the hunting gathering mindset. But they see this technology that seems very futuristic or advanced. So things like that, I think, would be more interesting to explore than just the apocalypse and the gloomy side, like how good humans are rebuilding. Yeah, it's still post-apocalyptic, but it's more optimistic as well. So I would definitely like to see more movies like that. The whole goal of these post-apocalyptic movies seems to be that humans won't just die out. So again, at some point, humans do end up rebuilding. Humans do end up finding another way to have a society. So I do think going far in the future and maybe them even discovering, like you said, some things that exist now, maybe they see like an old Mac and they're like, what is this, you know, technology? Or they see a book and that's treated like the way hieroglyphics are or something because maybe they don't have the same language as us because that's time, over time language develops and all of a Society goes around things like Harry Potter is actually now like a Yeah. <laughs> and they are, everyone's walking around with like scars on their heads. I uh-huh. think that makes them closer to Harry. Yeah. Stuff like that because post-apocalyptic, like you said, we talked about post-apocalyptic is a time period. It doesn't have to be a gloomy time period, I don't think. It doesn't have to be right after the apocalypse where it's all only about survival. Mm-hmm. But I think the genre kind of took on that that theme because everyone that makes post-apocalyptic movies always are about survival. Yeah. So I'd like to see more that are about like like stories in the post-apocalypse that are not only about survival. Mm-hmm. Like maybe we have a post-apocalyptic romantic comedy one day. Like, I don't know. Something. That's kind of like Lauren Bodies. I don't know if you Yeah, that. I heard yeah. about that. That's the one with the zombie. And the zombie he turns back to a human because like, he t- falls in love. Yeah. Just something that subverts the genre, though, a little bit, because I don't think the genre has a lot of subversion. Mm-hmm. And I think more subversion would definitely help the genre out a little bit. Yeah, I agree. So this has been That Brooklyn Film Show. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and we will talk to you later. All right. Bye. Bye.